And um, I'm really privileged this morning to have my grandson with me, Jeremy. And Jeremy, I appreciate you coming today. You look real nice with your greens. <laughs> Jeremy's a blessing to us. And I was going to tell you that we were in a meeting the other day or among some folks, and I told them that Glenda and I had been married this coming uh, December. We'll be married 55 years. And this man said, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, I think... I'm probably going to take her to Europe and Switzerland and tour the tour of the world there. And he said, man, if you are going to do that uh, for the 55th, what will you do for the 60th? And I said, well, I'll probably go back and get her then. But uh, <clears throat> So um, I'll go home with you today, Alan, okay? <laughs> It's really a privilege to be with you this morning. I'd like to um, to try to bring you a meaningful message. And I'd like to ask you, if you would, to uh, turn with us in your Bibles to the book of Genesis, if you will, the 37th chapter of the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 37, you'll read a a really familiar portion of the Lord's Word. Uh, if you've been in Sunday school as a youth, you probably remember this. Uh, let me let me read a, a, a good portion of uh, Genesis uh, 37, and then try to explain to you, no colored fellow. That was a preacher friend of mine uh, used to tell me when I first started, he said, what you need to do is uh, you need to tell them what you're going to tell them. And then you need to uh, tell them what you've told them. And then when you get through, explain what you've told them. So uh, uh, that's what I'm going to try to do this morning. Uh, we're we're talking about a very important part of uh, the believer's life, and it's the kingdom that is yet to come. It is that time when you will be exalted in in a specific way, and this world will know something that I has not seen or ear has heard, or has it entered into the heart of man what the Lord will do in the millennial kingdom. If you look with me in Genesis 37, we're going we're to begin by reading in verse 1. Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. And these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. 
Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. When his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. He said to them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed, For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and my chef arose and also stood upright, and behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my chef. And his brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream and told it his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more, and behold, the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee, to the earth? And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. And then, of course, the story goes on and tells uh, of the different things that had that happened to Joseph there thereafter I'd like to, I'd like to use this part of the Lord's word in the Old Testament I'd like for you to think with me in regards to the New Testament and I want, to, um, I want to use three men this morning. Uh, all three of these men are named Joseph. And you may say, I don't know what the connection would be in Genesis 37. Well, if you'll think in Genesis 37, you'll see that Joseph had a dream. And you'll see that he was sold and went to Egypt. You'll see that he also had trouble with a woman that he didn't understand. If you look in the New Testament in Matthew's Gospel you'll see a man named Joseph. He also had a dream. He also went to Egypt. He also encountered a woman that he didn't understand. And even I don't understand how the virgin birth occurred. But... Then in the end of the Lord Jesus' life, He was 
involved with another man whose name was Joseph. And I want you to keep these three men in your mind as we, um, as we look at, at this part of the Lord's Word. If you remember in Genesis 37, Joseph had this dream that he would rule and reign over his brethren. This made him mad. In today's world, when you tell people that the believer has the privilege to rule and reign one day over this earth, people don't believe that. They, they, they hate that. But I want you to notice a few things in regards to um, Joseph here, if you will. If you'll look with me in your Bibles to Genesis 37 and verse 2, you'll see that he was with his father 17 years. Now, if you hold your hand here for a moment and turn with me to Genesis chapter 47 and verse 28, you'll notice here that at the end of Jacob's life, He met back up with Joseph in the land of Egypt, and he lived in the land of Egypt with Joseph 17 years. So at the beginning of Joseph's life was this number 17. At the end of his fellowship with his father, there was also this number 17. And if you're mindful of numbers or the numerical structure in Scripture, you'll notice that this number 17 is the number of victory. It is the number of triumph. And um, you may question that, but if you read Romans 8, you'll see that there are 17 things that are listed there that um, uh, cannot separate us from the love of Christ. And then, not to uh, belittle or to carry on a point, this number 17 is important uh, because you know that that's the day of the month that Jesus Christ arose from the dead. And you would say, Brother Royce, how can you prove that? Well, uh, the Passover was the time of his crucifixion, which was the 14th day of the month. And three days and three nights in the heart of the earth would make 17 the number of his triumph uh, uh, over, over death. Now, the same thing exists with our two Josephs in the New Testament. If you read in Luke chapter 2, and we won't go there for time's sake, you'll see that Jesus, when He was born, was wrapped and laid. If you read in Matthew 27, you'll see that the third Joseph took down the body of Jesus 
And the same words are used when it says that he was wrapped and laid. There is victory in the beginning and in the end. But the point that I want to make this morning is that the road to the throne is not easy. The pathway to ruling and reigning with the Lord Jesus in the time of His coming to this earth is not an easy road. I want you to... um, we, we often talk about the last being first and the first being last. Let me bring one little point to you in, in regards to uh, Joseph. If you look back in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 32, um, Genesis chapter 33, uh, I mean, you will see that... Um, Jacob is about to meet Esau, and he's afraid of him. And just keep this in mind. This is what Jacob does uh, when he's about to meet Esau in verse 2 of Genesis 33. Keep this in your mind as you travel along this path. You'll see that Jacob, when he was going to meet Esau, place certain people in front, some next, and look in verse 32 where he put Joseph. He put him last. Do you know what I think the Lord's trying to tell us? When you're thinking about the last being first, the Lord protects the last And that's what Jacob's doing here. He's protecting the one that will be first, even though he's last. Keep that in your mind as as we study in regards to this. Now, in the rest of Genesis chapter 37, you'll see the things that were encountered by uh, Joseph. He was uh, stripped of his um, of his uh, coat, uh, the beautiful uh, coat. And I know there's a lot of theological um, amplification of that, but my Bible says that it was a coat of many colors. And I'll just leave it at that. Um, whether it was linen or whatever, but. Um, you, you'll see he went to his brethren and uh, they stripped him and they threw him in the pit and counted him as dead and uh, he went to Egypt and, and, and was there for a while. Now, slowly and with some thought, look at Genesis 38 for a minute. This is a chapter that seems like it's totally out of context. We have this story with Joseph. We have uh, his life that fills up the rest of the book of Genesis. And in chapter 38, we have an insertion 
and it's a parenthesis. And you'll notice that it's about Judah in verse 1. And Judah had a son, and um, he gave this son uh, to be married to this woman, and uh, he was mean, and the Lord killed him. So Jacob, uh, Judah had another son, and I'm just ad-libbing this. You, you can look in Genesis 38, and you'll see this. And he gave this other son uh, to marry this wife of the first son, and he didn't want to have any children, and so the Lord killed him too. You know, aren't you glad you live in the New Testament? I mean, there'd be a lot of a lot of dying going on, wouldn't it? But um, at, at any rate, so Judah had the third son, and he wouldn't give her, or he wouldn't give him to this first woman. So this first woman's name was Tamar. And she was mad about all of this. And uh, she tricked Judah. And she played the harlot. And Judah went in unto her. And she had twin boys. He committed almost an insidious uh, affair with his former daughter-in-law, and it, it, was, it was an ugly situation. Now I want you to see something. If you look in Genesis chapter 39, you're going to see that it picks up the story of Joseph again. And Joseph did well. He gained the favor of a captain of the army or of the government uh, in Egypt. He did real well. And then this man that he was serving in Egypt had a wife, and this wife wanted Joseph to lay with her. And he wouldn't. And he went in one day and she grabbed his coat and he fled. He got out of there. But this woman had evidence that he had been with her. And she took that to Potiphar. And she told Potiphar what had happened. And they put Joseph in prison. Why do you think God would insert what he did in Genesis 38 to interrupt the life of Joseph? He's trying to show us something. Do you see, Joseph's brother Judah actually did what Joseph was accused of falsely in Genesis 39. Joseph was innocent. 
but he had to pay the penalty even though he was innocent. What's the Lord trying to show us? You'd say, oh boy, the Lord will get after, after Judah. But if you, if you look in Matthew chapter 1, and we won't turn there, and I'll just try to uh, refer you to a bunch of these uh, places. You know, if you look in Matthew chapter 1, in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus, do you know whose names are there? The twin boys of Judah by this woman who played the harlot. Well, what about, what about Joseph? He's not mentioned. Why would this be true? That's not fair. Judah was guilty of the very sin that Joseph was accused of and Joseph paid the price for what Judah had actually done. Do you remember? Joseph had a dream and he dreamed that he would rule and reign with the Lord Jesus over his family and over his brethren. Let me tell you, if you're going to live for the Lord and you believe in the kingdom truths of the Lord Jesus, you're going to suffer for it. Has anyone ever told bad things about you that wasn't true? My mom used to always say, Royce, Royce, how good you are. Everybody loves you. <laughs> mom, you just don't know. You mentioned my name in all the crowd you don't know whether to pucker or duck <laughs> you're accused of all kinds of things but why didn't Jesus say through the apostle Paul in Acts 14 that we through much tribulation shall inherit the kingdom didn't Jesus tell us in Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are ye when men shall say all manner of evil against you and persecute you, for great is your reward in heaven. This is not fair. This is not according to justice and the way it ought to be. And if we're going to live in this world, and we're going to live for the Lord Jesus. The Bible says that all that will live godly in this life shall suffer persecution. And you'd say, well, uh, I don't encounter any of that. What about the godly living? What about the price that's paid even though you're not guilty? And that's what Joseph did. He paid a price. 
but he wasn't, he wasn't guilty of it. Yes, but he paid a price. He went to prison. He interpreted a dream of a baker and a butler, and they forgot him. And he stayed for years there. And you read in Psalms 105, you'll see that they chained him and they hurt him. And finally, he interpreted a dream for Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh released him and he began to gain ground and he saved his brethren and he saved the world and gathered in all the food. And he became the ruler. And if we're going to live for the Lord Jesus, there's a price that has to be paid. People won't love you. People will say all manner of evil against you. Things won't go the way that you think they will. And I want to show you some things. I want you to, uh, to look with me for a minute into the New Testament at where I was talking to you in Matthew chapter 1 for a minute. In Matthew chapter 1, let me point out what I mentioned to you earlier. If you look in verse 3, you'll see that Judah begat Perez and Zara of Tamar. And Perez, one of the twins, begat another son, and he begat another, and eventually this led up to Boaz, and then finally to David the king. Where was Joseph in all of this? And if you look over into chapter uh, 1 further, and then you look over into chapter 2, you, you'll see that this man Joseph was a poor man. When Mary went to uh, offer the sacrifice, she didn't have the appropriate sacrifice, and she, have to, she had to order two pigeons. But do you know who the Joseph was in Matthew 27? He was a rich man. Do you see what the Lord's trying to show us? He's trying to show us that you may be poor in spirit in this world, but if you live for the Lord Jesus, in the end it'll be victorious and you'll be rich. Hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in the kingdom, according to James 2 verse 5? But this is not fair to be accused of these things. You know, one of the things that I always wanted to do when I first started preaching, I wanted people to think and to know that I was a good person. I told a doctor one time, he said, what do you desire? I said, I desire to be a good man a godly man. He said, oh, no, no. And he stuck me about 40 times. Uh, <clears throat> and he was a Muslim, 
And he, the problem was, he asked me, what did I do? And I said, I'm a preacher for the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's the only way to heaven. And he really stuck me after that. But the first time that I ever bought a suit in my life, I found out what it's like to really take a stand for the Lord. I went in to get a suit. I'd never had one before. And I told this man I wanted, yes, sir, we'll put you in a nice suit. It's about $40. And so he measured me and suited me up, and he said, uh, now how are you going to pay for this? Where do you work, and what can I count on? You know, I said, well... Uh, I'd like to charge this if I could. I'm a preacher. And he said, oh, no, no, I'm not charging this to no preacher. I'm not going to do this. I've been took too many times by preachers, you know. This was Joseph's situation. Did you know... If you think of these three men, you got to think that there's a price to be paid to live for the kingdom and to live knowing that one day you'll rule and reign with Christ. You can't escape that. And the reason is that's how you know Jesus in the fellowship of his sufferings. He was accused wrongly. You know, you would never tell your son or your daughter, if you were to have a son and you were a godly family, you wouldn't tell that son to go marry a harlot, would you? God did. He told Hosea, go marry Gomer. She's a harlot. Why would God do that? God wanted Hosea to know how he felt because Israel had played the harlot with him. And my friends, if you live for the Lord Jesus... The world's going to hate you. You ever been somewhere when they say, how's the world treating you? Oh, just fine. You're wrong. The world hates you. As it hated me, it'll hate you also. Joseph, have you ever thought that when Jesus came into this world, he entered this world through a virgin womb. And when he left this world, he left this world through a virgin tomb wherein never a man had laid. What does that mean, preacher? It means that he was just as pure when he left as he was when he came.
never sinned. He was made sin and bore our sins in his body, but he never committed sin, nor could he ever. If you live for the Lord Jesus, you'll suffer. Well then, preacher, what benefit is it? Let me show you something. I want you to turn to two places with me in the Scriptures. I want you to turn with me to First Chronicles chapter 5 Look with me in First Chronicles Chapter 5. Now let's read verse 1 together. Now the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, for he was the firstborn, but forasmuch as he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given to the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel. And the genealogy is not to be reckoned after the birthright. Look in verse 2. Judah prevailed above his brethren, and of him came the chief ruler. But, but the birthright was Joseph's. You know what that meant? He got two portions. If you look with me in Ezekiel chapter 47 for just a minute. Let me ask you to look in Ezekiel chapter 47. And let me read to you. In Ezekiel chapter 47. You read here of the inheritance in verse 13. Thus saith the Lord God, this shall be the border whereby ye shall inherit the land according to the twelve tribes of Israel. Joseph shall have two portions. It's the end that matters. The road, too, is straight and narrow. But the end is rich and full. My desire and my hope and my reason for coming to be with Alan and with you this morning is to tell you that the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed within us. Did you know that this takes a special kind of faith 
Joseph was dying, and he took an oath of his brethren, and he said, God's going to visit you one of these days, and I want you to take my bones with you. This is a faith that looks beyond death. In a few years, if Jesus does not return, all of us will be dead. But when you come by my tombstone, say there was a man that knew this is not the end. There is a faith that is existent beyond death. And for 45 years, they carried these bones. Can you imagine what chaos there was on the night of the Passover when all of Israel was going to leave Egypt? But Moses remembered Joseph's bones. And do you know what happened to him? In Joshua chapter 24... The scriptures tell us that they finally placed Joseph's bones in a spot where Jacob had perished and purchased before Joseph was ever born. The father has a place purchased already. Somebody says, but preacher, all believers are going to inherit. No, they're not. I went to a ball game one time years ago, me and Glenda up in Boston. And I went up to the ticket office and asked them for a for a ticket, and they just happened to have one to go into this great ballpark. Boy, it wasn't expensive at all. I mean, I thought it would be, but it wasn't. So I purchased this ticket, and me and Glenda went in, and we were sitting right behind a steel girder. (laughs) And while I sat there, I thought of this I thought of this thought that the Lord gave me. The price you pay to get in is going to determine the place where you sit in the kingdom. When the Lord comes again, will you be ready? Do we have a faith? that looks beyond this life? And do we know that there is a double portion for those who are willing to pay the price? And I hope you are while we bow in a little prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for the privilege to be with our brother Alan. Thank you for Mike's lesson this morning. Thank you for Bob as he led singing, Ken and Mary as they played. 
Thank you for the privilege to be here. I pray that the little words that we've said would be mindful in the hearts and the lives of your people. And truly, Lord, you know my heart. It is my desire that each person that I speak to, I pray that they'll have a place in that glorious rule and reign when you will come again and receive unto yourself that which is justly yours. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.